Did you ever meet Randall? Yeah. Yes. You uh, did. At our maybe? event at Berkeley. This was the Tech Entrepreneur Podcast, and it was dated. Who did Tech Entrepreneur? There's some geniuses, I think. <laughs> 17 July, 2012. Oh, no wow. way. So the intro was, in this session, we focus on turning a passion into a business. Our guests are Randall LeVere, owner and founder of Airba Cycles, Nadine Mazin. By the way, I, I'm not sure if you've initiated this. I just well, came from a lunch with two of our podcast listeners. Victims? Victims? Listeners. Listeners. They're going to be victims. We have two now? We're up to two. Uh, and they Wait, have, doesn't mix they have asked with it. Were their arms up behind their back? <laughs> no, they were somehow, they were willing participants. They um, they asked us to really clearly identify no. ourselves. So no. these are, really. they looked at the reviews and they, they sh- asked me to share that they agreed. Are you speaking really slowly no, now? No, no, no. Well, for you maybe, but um, <laughs> they, they wanted to make sure that we introduced ourselves really? and that you and I sound very similar. No. So I'd like you to take on another persona. Oh. Okay, how's this? <laughs> Not that one. <laughs> but who uh, are you? Well, I am Dave Pausner, and I am a um, podcaster. <laughs> I also happen to be a lawyer. Mick? I'm Mick Williams, and I'm the founder of Boston Harbor Angels, a angel group located here in Boston. Boston, that's amazing. Is it in the harbor? Are you it's, underwater? Uh, we, we actually, <laughs> our headquarters is on the on the harbor. Exactly. On the harbor, okay. and he's underwater. Sometimes underwater, yeah. Hopefully not. And you I'm Mark are. Thurman. I, uh, I'm a podcaster, an Aquarius. <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. Oh, God. I no. hate mean people and IP lawyers. And you IP are? IP lawyers, wow. I'm Randall LeVere, uh, former founder and maker at Herbicycles. No, you, you're still a founder. Who is a former founder? Uh, yeah, former founder. Do you call yourself a or you were founder and CEO? Good question, yeah. Hey, hold on though. I want to get back to this. So you you literally found, we actually have two listeners. All two of them. All two of them. Um, oh, that may be uh, it. I won't give their last names, yeah. but Bob yeah. and Mike. Thank you very much for for listening, <laughs> and uh, we just enjoyed a lovely lunch at the. Uh, is Anthony still listening? You think? <laughs> oh, Anthony. And they they they, they but point. They, you're you're serious. I'm serious. They wanted to make sure that so every now and then I'll say this is Mark. This is Dave. Nobody cares. I'm going to say <laughs> time and weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Let's move it on. Well, this app I have. This app does allow me to change the voice profile. So maybe I can get you to um, breathe in some helium. Speak briefly, and we'll use that as your profile. I I, I don't inhale. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so Randall was a, our victim, a victim. Actually, yes. he wasn't back and we, then. And we, we met no him as we were, as we were starting to say seven years ago. See, I did was the it? math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roughly seven years so tell ago. So tell us about Airbus Cycles because people can go back and listen to the tech entrepreneur. Yeah, but, but tell us about Airbus Cycles. Uh, and you're going to put a link up for it. Oh, we will. Yeah. Genius. So I had started at that point. I guess it's so this is 2012. I was about a year and a half, two years into it. Um, and it was a roller coaster ride. It was. Um, I thought it was a bicycle. Also, yeah, <laughs> it was a bamboo roller coaster. Yeah, um, it was just everything that you kind of expect with an entrepreneurial lifestyle. It was the highs. Well, what, yeah, wait a minute. Nobody yeah. assume nobody's. Company. Yeah, talk about the company because nobody will listen to our old the podcast. Company. We can't stand it. What, okay. what did you do? We can't so stand we'll do the, the basics. One. Okay, so uh, it was a custom bespoke uh, maker bespoke. of bicycles out of bamboo and hemp. Hemp. Yeah. Oh, CBD. Mostly for uh, cruising and commuting, so not high-performance bikes, uh, more for the knock-around town and uh, on the beach. How did you come up with that idea back when? 
So there was a little yeah. seed that had been planted in my head about seed. 10 years earlier, yep. yeah, pun intended, uh-huh. um, about using bamboo as a, a material because it has some really great properties as far as vibration dampening. Huh. Um, I always liked the aesthetic. I grew up working in and around boats, so I had some knowledge of that. And then I went to, I was a structural engineer in college, so I had a little bit of this mashup of boat making, structural, and then I was a bike fanatic. So. Those all kind of came together in about 2009. I had heard about the idea. I was always kind of intrigued by it and then uh, made my first one in 2010, just as kind of a, a fun little side project. How do you make a bamboo bicycle for, for listeners who Carefully. want to know? Yeah, slowly. <laughs> How do you make them? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I did a lot of research on different types of manufacturing, whether it was going to be carbon fiber, um, what types of jigs, what types of tooling. Um, the first one was a really basic, I made a basic jig out of, uh, some kind of lab aluminum, extruded aluminum pieces and, um, held everything in place and then kind of just took a shot at it. So I, I, I the first one was pretty rough. It kind of looked like a, a horrible pier one piece of furniture. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Pier one. Yeah. But, For those uh, who remember that. They stole right? Really? Rattan. Yeah. Rattan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So wait a minute, Mick, just a quick interlude. Mick says, weren't you the one who said there are um, scaffolding in China made yeah, of? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Randall says he actually has pictures of it on his website. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. these you know, these are like 60-story buildings, yeah. and the, it's bamboo scaffolding all the way up. How yeah, they, and how they, they actually lash it together <clears throat> with, like, twine. So the yeah. joints are just, they make it as they go up with the scaffolding. Hmm. How not, safe is that? Not OSHA certified. I well, they don't, <laughs> they don't even use boards. They just dance on the little bamboo things as they're doing their work. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, so good. So you had this idea, and you were able to. I'm sorry. How did you lash the things together? So I, you, different from the scaffolding, I yeah. actually used uh, epoxy resins that we'd use in oh. boat making and um, oh. you know light plane making. To glue them together, like essentially, yeah, yeah. So you basically the, so the you hemp fiber looks like a hair, horse, horse hair, and you wet it with this epoxy resin, and then I had a lashing schedule that would kind of inter, intertwine the fibers. Why wouldn't you just use fiberglass? Uh, this is stronger, and I also the aesthetic of fiberglass controlling the color and the the tone, the strength. There's a few a few reasons. <clears throat> I also liked it being all natural. Um, it was kind of nature's. I'm sorry, fiberglass. all natural with with a fiberglass. Oh, with hemp. Yeah, with hemp. Yeah. As I recall, they were gorgeous spikes. Yeah, they were. Oh, I think you brought one with you to yeah. the thing that I'm referring to. Yep. A few years ago, and I remember bespoke would indicate that. <laughs> well, not necessarily. He could have, he could have built a custom custom made ugly bike, but this happened to have been no, no. Beautiful. Bespoke the term itself. Well, the spokes has to do with. Doesn't oh. it? I mean, Randall, isn't that? Uh, I I don't know. I think you yeah. I could still they could still be bespoke and custom, but hideous. Yeah. So whatever ha- what happened to the company? How long was it around? <coughs> You're so, killing us here, Mark. That was Mark's cough, by the way. The yeah, three two listeners we have. <laughs> <laughs> they used going. to have cough switches and yeah. fancy yeah, recording yeah. Yeah. Cough we, we, we don't have we don't have one yeah. of those Mick's father was in radio so he can tell us about these things are you serious a cough switch yeah oh it's they like a cutout happen. switch on the car one turn the light headlights out 107 it's like and it's 74 degrees <laughs> <laughs> keep going <laughs> old joke um okay so what how long was the company around 
Um, so I really tried to keep it alive. I did some resuscitation up until about 2016. Oh, a while. Yeah, yeah. Four or five years. No, no, uh, seven years. Yeah, yeah, about six-ish, depending. You know, I was doing some consulting to kind of fill in the gaps uh, when sales kind of dipped off. Um, so it was very seasonal. So that was part of the struggle that um, I tried to make up for by going south and trying to sell southwards. Yeah. So, um, what was the issue? Couldn't you have gone to Taiwan and where they make most of the bicycles in the world there in China and had them knock off your design and make them real fast for you? Because they have bamboo over there, I think. They do, yeah. Yeah, the, and the bamboo wasn't the big part of it. It was it was some of the manufacturing. Um, yeah, it was always a question of, you know, volume and margin. And I thought, yeah, I could make more margin doing that. But then I'd also have to sell a lot more bikes to do that. So the the ultimate downfall in retrospect is really the price point and being able to reach the consumer that's willing to pay the price point. Um, what was the price point? So they were about 3200 oh. So my average ticket price was about 4000 typically. Yeah, but in the bicycle world, you know, that's not unusual. Well, performance bikes, right. yeah, yeah. For city bikes, the magic number was between 1100 and 1800 And I did a, a decent amount of research that said, hey, if you can get the bike at that price, we can sell these all day long. But couldn't you do that by going offshore? Yes and no. There, there's so much variability in the bamboo that the way that they've solved that in Taiwan or China is to basically slash it down and to be uh, solid chunks like a broomstick. And then they use metal joinery. So uh, that so was the only way to really pinpoint the the very or lock down the variability. And so that's Th those never sold very well. They're actually much heavier. And then you take all the performance characteristics of bamboo out of it. Right. And the aesthetics too, because yeah. yeah, if you have it's right. a non-bamboo. Well, you have to sell hemp with the bike, and then you can uh, yeah, solve yeah, some yeah. of those You can talk them into anything at I, that point. You know, the, it, I basically kind of ran out of runway to go down that path, and you know being able to kind of bootstrap myself rather than fly over to Taiwan, see if I could get it done, see if I could come back. It just seemed like this would be a simpler path, sell fewer bikes, higher margin. Um, Did you make money on the bikes you were selling? So you yeah, were, the, margins the margins were, were okay? Good. Yeah, yeah. I made sure to protect the margins pretty well. Um, but there weren't enough customers at that yeah, price. Yeah, and, and there were people, and I, I did bump into them, and every you know I got a lot of publicity. And uh, one of my business mentors, advisors, um, was remarking at the amount of press that I got. And he said, you know, this is, A, it's remarkable. B, I don't know, if you're not selling a lot of bikes based on this, I'd I'd hit the panic button a little bit. Really? Yeah, because you should be getting a lot more sales based on so, this. So yeah. was it an issue of sales or, or, or issue of product or an issue of price or deal of the above? So really sales, I mean, that's what it boils down to. So like, you, you couldn't sell enough? Because of the seasonality aspect you mentioned. That was a challenge for sure. Because I would come out of the gate swinging come May. I'd have, you know, five or six a week to make. Oh, right. Real, uh, to yeah. make. Yeah. Okay. And how or long? Not would... a week. Sorry, a month. Um, yeah. Oh, it's not much. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you wouldn't build them just for inventory? I did have some. Yeah. I, I would have. I, I always kept a stable of about eight or ten bikes that I could sell um, or demo. Right. Because um, a lot of people want to come and try them out. It's a big ticket item, essentially, for yeah. some people. Did you have dealers? So I did have a uh, a distributor in the EU, and that was a uh, that was one of the roller coaster highs. Was brokering a deal with a, a firm in Paris um, to then sell them in the EU, and they were actually starting to set up a manufacturing facility there. And I had a guy come over to train here, so he could kind of be our arm there. Um, How were the margins on that? 
Um, mine were lower. Sure. And they had the same struggle I did. And these guys in, in Paris were really well connected with my consumer, very high end, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking for bespoke things. <laughs> um, <laughs> How'd they ride, so, by the way? How'd these bikes ride? Oh, they're amazing. They really, the, for me, I didn't, I didn't want to just do it as a novelty business. I thought it has to be more than just kind of a novelty look at me kind of thing. Uh, the performance is what really set it apart for me. That was the aha because riding around town, the bamboo just kind of deadens the vibration. And if you ride like even the blue bikes or yeah. uh, they're, they're big, they're heavy, they're kind of clunky, you hit a bump and you, boy, you really feel it. Uh, and the bamboo just kind of makes everything a little softer and gentler and nicer. So, well, so you wouldn't Boston find these, streets. Li- these lime bikes uh, made out of bamboo. They yeah. see thrown, you know. All over. Yeah, that you know, I I love what they they're doing because they're they're bringing more cycling to the masses. Right. But oh, you yeah. just see them in all sorts. They do yeah. see these around town. Yeah, Lime Lime bikes, bikes. Or the Mick other one. rides one, I think. You don't like you know, you know, I have my a, own. Just up yeah. now, Washington, didn't you? You <laughs> <laughs> backwards. He just, he, he I he went downhill the whole way. I rode here today, so well, there we go. <laughs> So wait a minute. So, <clears throat> but, what, the, but the yeah. Boston streets, I don't care what kind of bamboo dampening you have, the Boston streets are, are tough. Right. What did you use for are, wheels, uh, for rims? That uh, was not I, I had a mix of, mix of components. I went pretty high end on everything, kind of uh, Brooks leather, saddles, grips. Yeah. And then um, I had a model with wooden rims from this old Italian family. No, really? Yeah. Um, how those who made them um, so this Italian family kept the molds this is how, how they used to make wood how do you rims. jump curbs with the with the wooden gently what are wooden uh, rims like uh, they're softer so they they you know they feel a little springier but they're also more prone to damage so um, it's definitely a look at me show me really like I'm gonna ride maybe a half mile on it oh. to go get a coffee and <laughs> oh. have people look at me <laughs> So this is like getting that Ferrari that you could take out <laughs> on, su- much, on yeah. a summer, in, sunny day. Yeah, if in, the Ferrari were made out of, you know, bamboo. twigs. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> what, do you, what did you use for rims where you weren't using wooden ones? Uh, usually aluminum, like a nice polished aluminum. A good brand or anything special? Or um, there was a company called Velo Orange that made some really nice retro, um, beautiful stuff. Oh, yeah. orange to go with a bamboo. Uh, no, 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 that was just were, the name of the company. That was the name, yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. Everything of there was kind of like high polished silver. Okay. And that was kind of the aesthetic I was looking for. The the frame itself is essentially monochromatic in a honey caramel wood wood tone, and then everything else was either like a classic uh, mahogany brown for leathers, and then the all the metal pieces would be um, highly polished chrome. So what are you writing now? I'm writing an Urba. It's right out front. Oh, you are? Yeah. Does anyone ask you about it? Yeah, almost every day I ride it. Yeah. And do you have all the old, could you fire the factory up if there were an uh, embargo on it is in a, metal? Uh, it's in a medically induced coma. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So, so, so it could be resuscitated, but it's probably, not probably best it. to let it kind of sleep for a while. What kind of lock do you have? <laughs> what kind of lock do you have? Yeah. yeah, I got a big U-lock. Um, okay. Yeah, people seem to leave it alone. Yeah, they're not they sure what to do with it. take a lot of pictures of it. That's for, that is. You don't have to, uh, it doesn't rust? Doesn't rust yet. None of the pieces on it are uh, corrosive, so I either use aluminum or titanium. How many speed was what it? What kind of yeah. gear changer and how yeah. many gears yeah. did you have? Yep. Um, so I, I I mixed it up. It was uh, it was a modular system, so you could swap it to be a sing- oh. single speed. Or really? the last one I made for myself was um, they call it a one by ten. So it's one gear in the front, ten in the back, yep. which is good for Boston. Yeah. Um, gives you a decent amount of range. I made a bunch. Uh, 
with the internally geared hubs. I don't know if you ever used yeah. those, yep. but uh, three speed. My uh, my folding bike yeah. has that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've used a three and an eight uh, Shimano have, or whatever they were. They have an electric version that I made a couple of that were oh, pretty really? great. So you just there's no cable actually, just a touch button to uh, oh, that's up right. And down. Right, but the, the the bike wasn't electric, just the, the gear right. change. Yeah, no cheating. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So how did you finance it to begin with? Um, through my savings, through credit cards, it was all very bootstrapped. I had, it's funny, I, had, I was thinking back, I had been involved with a few startups that had gotten some pretty good funding and, um, you know, akin to those rocket ships that just, they blast off and then they, their trajectory looks, uh-oh, it's going to go down and they flame it, out, you know, became, 10 months later. craters. Yeah. Like Mark's business, uh, episode, hey. episode one. Hey. <laughs> so I was kind of intent on being the slow and steady, you know, I could buy a few tools, I could build a few bikes, kind of eke along. And fund it from sales. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lifestyle business? Yep. Did you ever look for investors? Um, not aggressively. Um, I had a couple people approach me, uh, but I always knew that, you know, my sales were a little anemic. Um, and if you go to an investor with anemic sales, they're going to say, look, yeah, I like your idea, but you haven't proven there's a market here. Um, ah. And so, therefore, I'd like to take, you know, 70% of your company for right. 50 grand or whatever yeah. that would be. Yeah. So there is a market, it sounds like, for the product. Maybe the pricing was a little higher based on, you know, your ability to produce them inexpensively. Um, I come back to it. Was it a sales execution issue was it i just can't make them fast enough cheap enough yeah it, it you know it, it's funny it, the post-mortem is really uh probably a little bit complicated in my mm. my view because it's it, it's a little bit of everything right. um so I'll, I'll tell you one story i the innovation and design building um i approached them about renting a space there i lost my my smaller studio in the south end yep uh, and they saw what I was doing, and they said, we would love to have you, and we're going to give you the, a sweetheart deal for rent. We really want you to come. And they took amazing care of me. Uh, yeah. they, they gave me an amazing space. I moved in, but I moved in next to a, a really fancy interior design showroom, and the guy was polishing a lamp out in the lobby. Um, at the time, my, my base price for bikes were about 2200 Oh, not uh, bad. So, um, which was closer to, I thought, yeah. what the market yeah, right. would be willing exactly. to bear. Yep. Um, when I asked him how much the lamp was, it was a simple, beautiful silver lamp, simple. I said, how much is that lamp? And he said, uh, I flipped it over. It was $6,800. Yeah. <laughs> and I lamp. just thought, oh my God, uh, I've got this bike. It's got 47 SKUs. It's handmade. I'm charging 2200 for it? Right. Uh, no. So I went inside and I raised my prices that moment all across the board. How'd that work out? I sold two the next day. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good start. But then so, I, yeah. Well, there is some of the laws of economics says, you know, when you price it too cheap, it discourages people. People yeah. want exclusive. They want things that are... Yeah, but who would have thought 2200 bucks was too cheap for a bike? Well, okay, these again, days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, these yeah days. there's a perceived value when you... You know, I could have made them 12000 you know, I did have that thought. What if I just made them ten thousand and up? Because there's an exclusivity and a scarcity. Usually, scarcity creates demand. And then you number them like uh, works yeah, of art. I, I yeah, I did number sign them. them. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, I had like oh. a copper stamped uh, serial number. So this is one of whatever. Yep, yep. Wow. And everything was kind of bespoke as well. So if you wanted red leather saddles, you know, I I did a um, 
I started approaching, one of my sales approaches was to go to the, the higher end resorts around the East Coast. Huh. So uh, I got deep into conversations with the guy who was running the Chatham Bars in at the time. Yep. That's when I was thinking. About yeah, that. it's a, such a perfect match. Right. And he, we really hit it off. He loved the idea. He wanted to do some video work and really tell this story. Um, he ended up leaving there um, and we never put a deal together. But I had teed up a bunch of like... Uh, blue saddles in the Chatham bars in color and matching grips, oh, wow. and uh, he had given me some wine boxes, so we <laughs> made some real beautiful wine box baskets for the back of these bikes. Oh, man. So really exciting stuff. That's the kind of like the highs were high, but then the lows was the deal didn't come through. Right. <laughs> so. Well, what is uh, what is Chatham bars now? Have they have rental bikes for their customers? I actually don't know. So the reason, or they that, wouldn't use the, them as a selling vehicle. The, no, they would use it as a uh, an amenity to draw in people because you know it's just an, it's also an extra PR piece. The way I was angling it was, you know, the hotels are under pressure to be more and more eco. You now have the most eco bike on the planet, which is a great talking point. And here's some beautiful photos of it on the beach. You know, it's very aspirational, and so it's a really. I've always thought it was an easy sell because I'm pretty sure you could get thirty to fifty thousand dollars in PR if you drop 25 grand on my bikes. So that was kind of my and So then the pitch. notion would be you'd, they'd buy some bikes at some yeah. rate, and then you'd probably put a, a promo piece in the room, you know, yeah. continue Everything the Chatham Bars a, lifestyle. Right. Everything has a hang tag. If you use your Chatham Bars code, right. you, know, you get a discount, and then Chatham Bars gets a kicker for, for right. the so finder's fee. Share. I mean, that yeah. that's like, again, I, I know it's in a coma, but that's like the right thing. I mean, yeah. The, I hear on the news from our president that the economy, economy is booming. <laughs> it's, it's tremendous. We're, it's we're, 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 we're avoiding politics and over more. I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, you do, you're doing the time and the weather. I'm just reading a headline. So you finance this, yep. say, through credit cards. Yep. And so you, you geared up. Ha, ha. Yeah, Isn't that funny? You nice. geared up. Well, uh, well, that like was that. David, by the way. Just, uh, no, that for, was Mark. For, for, for um, Bob. For if there's so you, a, is there a cough button and a pun button? Yeah. <laughs> there would be a silent podcast. Trust me. So you geared up with your credit card. And at some point, did you ever get, was it ever a stable business? Or was it never comfortable when you could go home at night and said, I think I'm getting somewhere? Boy. I I think it might be in my nature to never quite be satisfied. There were some moments where there was some stability and predictability because I had orders backed, backed up. And oh. It was just a matter of producing them. Um, but at the same time, I always wanted to make the bikes better and come out with the next better version. Um, I wanted to sell them better. I wanted to work on my own sales methodology to see if I could get into these markets and um, get to that consumer that could so, drop five grand. So it sounds like, like a no, but then maybe because you're a type A personality. Yeah. See, I, I think you should create one more, price it at a million dollars. I think you should swing for the fence. Put it, you know, yeah. and you just never know. Put it on a rocket ship last and send one. it to yeah. uh, yeah. the sun like, or wherever. Like What's Elon his face? Musk did with, yeah. Yeah. with his uh, Tesla Roadster. That was Mark. Well, the better one is um, Jack Nicholas selling his gold Rolex. Um, <clears throat> that how'd that work out? Well, there's it's still coming up for auction, but. Uh, <laughs> Three million, they're talking, maybe two hundred. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that piece of it, so you finance it the, the one way on credit cards. It never quite gets stable. How did you um, run the business day to day? How did you do your marketing? 
I mean, one of the to step back, and, yeah. and this is this is Mark speaking. No, it's David. Okay, <laughs> confusing myself. Are I sound pan- so similar. Are you penalizing? <laughs> but but we one of the reasons I am penalizing. But one of the reasons we did this podcast was if we found a business that failed, and there are several out there, um, we were able to sort of dissect every aspect of them. So sure. how did you how did you market? How well, did you I, well actually, let me interject and totally. And that's uh, not Mark. Direct you. Um, that is Mark. How did, uh, Who are you? When you when you it's Mark speaking. Uh, this is the <laughs> intelligent <do>. question. <laughs> how did you know it failed, and when? Oh yeah. Hey, you jumped ahead. Like that. Um, Tricky. Boy, that's a really good question. I don't think there was a. <laughs> that's a good question. That's a no, good no, one. No, no, no. He has good. I ones. paid him yeah. to say that. No, <laughs> I did. I yeah. did. I, I give good questions. Peanut M and M's. They work every time. All right. Okay. How did you know your business failed and when? Um, <laughs> that was Dave. I think it was just um, seeing the sales orders through August, September, October uh, for kind of that final year, like 2015. Um, it was a it was a long drawn out kind of process, not wanting to let it go. It oh, the slow, slow train wreck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like four, four miles an hour, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's look at it a little differently. That must be Mick. How many employees did you have when you started? One. One. How many manufacturers did you have at the peak? That would be one. One also, <laughs> yeah. So you physically made every bike? I did. Uh-oh. Okay, there's Mick's no, say there's something no economies of scale there, I guess not. Sound like a lawyer? It's ready to scale. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. How long well, would it he take? Well, actually, but he, he, he was saying he had the EU distributor come and he trained yeah. them. Yeah. Kind of a tra- how you know, long would it take you to train me to make a bamboo bicycle? Some people are not trained. Oh, maybe two two weeks, three weeks probably. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was fairly, I had the process pretty well down. I'd probably be made. I mean, a lot of four, surfboards. 40, yeah. Use of resin. <laughs> Yeah, I Those probably made forty in it as part of the ramp up process of like refining and experimenting and figuring out you know what. But so works, could what you make one a day? No. So the process I got it down to was about um, I would do them in batches mostly, so you could kind of combine some of the efforts. But it would take about twenty two hours spread out over twelve days. Wow. So there was a lot oh. of sanding, curing, this, sanding, yeah. curing, yeah, mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing. So, so while you're curing, you're sanding. And, and you're building the next one or you're, you're getting the next batch ready because right. there's a lot how of much, uh, How many jigs and other sort of manufacturing equipment did you need sitting around? Yeah, so I had two or three jigs. That was Mark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of bamboo stock, um, some some decent workshop tools, yeah. So oh, well, I mean, a Where little. did you source your bamboo? Um, so from Forest. Florida, Florida, yeah, <laughs> yeah Florida, and people's backyards. Florida, um, actually, there's a particular species that I need. So oh. there, was, there was a grove in Florida that had it, um, but they didn't have a lot of it. So commercial I production grove, or yeah, yep, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, they make Who are they selling from? to yeah. besides you? Uh, Pure one fencing type people. Oh. You know, it, it grows like a weed. It grows so fast that um, you yeah, it grows it a foot a day. Even yeah, 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 that's right. It grows a foot a day. Yeah, you can actually hear it in some of the bamboo forest. What is that? Well, I mean, it's like, yeah, pretty much. I can't. Can you do that, that again, Mark? No, 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 no. That was Dave. He nailed it. He nailed it. <laughs> okay, so, so, and what? And what, I'm sorry. They use bamboo for other than Pure One. They use it for fencing. Yeah, in fencing. This yeah, I mean, they make where? flooring out of it. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, just right, right, right. you know, personal home fencing, where if you set up a privacy screen, it just quickly oh, propagates right. throughout. So sounds like you just plant it in it. Oh yeah, you, you, yeah. You, if you have a really hard time getting rid of it, it's really insidious. 
Hmm. Do, does it stop growing or it just kind of keeps going? Is this it, like Jack it, and the Beanstalk? No, it, yeah, they, they do top out. Um, I think the species that I had tops out at about 150 60 feet. feet. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's tall. Yeah. So taller yeah. than your average. Your average uh, piece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why did you have a specific bamboo you needed? The color? Uh, the strength. Really? Yeah. The strength oh. and thickness. It needs to be... Uh, grown in a warm enough climate where it would build up a wall thickness that was strong enough. And then um, this particular one had pretty dense fibers. Um, so that would, that's what gave it that rigidity and also the um, the tensile strength. Wait, did, did we, I, I had a witty question. Wait, wait. Did we come <laughs> back to the – or did we – fully hit the when when did it fail and how did you know oh he said it was a slow train wreck four miles slow an hour wreck. so slow train how wreck, did yeah. you know that the train finally stopped after the four mile an hour i i basically stepped off when it was so you're four like miles that's it i can't do it was it like you know a family thing where you're like i can't do this anymore i can't spend um, this kind of money no, did, it was, did, did it, it was go, more that the pasture was looking pretty good that I was going to jump off into. Oh, okay, so you yeah. had another opportunity oh, to go. Well, yeah. there you go. Yeah. And it became pretty obvious that I was – it had been a long road of five, of six, five or six years. Wow. of. And uh, for any of your follow-up uh, businesses or jobs, was having had that business useful? Uh, That's a good question. Yeah, it was. That, that wasn't Dave. Yeah, I mean – That must have been Dave asking I, I, that question. I think, no, it's Mick asked that question. Oh, <laughs> it was so smart it had to Could have be been Randall. Yeah. <laughs> Um, He's patting himself yeah, on his back. I think I'm an optimist that, you know, every failure is going to produce a, a ton of knowledge, experience. Um, Why? That, where have we failed? Where have we gone right and wrong? wrong. Uh, we yeah. failed at failing. But, yeah. uh, but we never think, got any better at it. I think our prior it. guest, Tom Kalopoulos, said something about that, too. I, I Was that I'm, when you, you almost jumped out the window? That is when I almost jumped out the window. But um, um, okay, so which I'm about all right. To well, do wait, again. wait, 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 wait. Let me. <laughs> That's me. I want to go back just a little bit and say, what were you when you went to college? college. Where'd you go? Uh, Worcester Polytech. Oh, cool. And you were structural engineering yep. degree. Yep. Four year, five year program. Four year. How did you graduate? What position in your class? Approximately? Uh, with distinction. Yeah, with honors. With honors. So mm -hmm. yeah, okay. like Mick. <laughs> Big laugh. You graduated with something. <laughs> I'm not sure. Without any maybe honors, an alcohol problem. I graduated with <laughs> his tail <laughs> so I was what? not a good student. What? <laughs> well, Mick, what was your point? No, my point is, is that you know, to prepare for this, what do you need to do? Oh. And so he got an engineering degree, and then he thought about these things, and so he got the idea with the bamboo, and the bamboo's tensile strength is comparable to steel or stronger than steel, pound for pound, ounce for ounce? What? Uh, it's similar to steel alloy, yeah. It's, it's, I think it's Mick's close. been it's doing light, research, it, It's Mark. lighter. Who knew that Mick knew this kind of crap? Yeah. Yeah. He does research. <laughs> he, he did research before our, our rug one, the rug the rug episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. pulled the rug out from under us. He did. But yeah. the surfboard thing, who, would have, who yeah. knew that Mick was Mick. like a surfer guy? <laughs> who knew that Mick could even go backwards <laughs> down a mountain on a bicycle? In my youth. <laughs> okay, so keep going. <laughs> that was Mark interrupting. <laughs> Where were we? All right. Well, I was just <laughs> curious. Okay, so you you know you got out of college and you went to work for whom? Uh, a, a big uh, global engineering firm, uh, ABB. Oh, heard of them. And they, they were doing what kind of bamboo? Uh, fences. Yeah, they were making things out of bamboo. No, they were <laughs> bicycles. And they were environmentally uh, the friendly business. I was hired to design steel structures to be used in industrial applications and building systems. 
Okay. That would be I-beams, that kind of stuff, or what? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you're just showing off, Mick. No, everyone else just fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> now you're getting it. I'm thinking now about you're getting my next this, project. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some, some doctors pre- prescribe sleeping pills. The smart ones prescribe this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not only the number one in the failure category on player.fm, but we're the number one in... In sleep aids, but, yeah, but the I good thing it is, it's not addictive, and nobody's going to sue us for the. Well, there's nothing addictive about anything we're doing here. No. Okay. So wait a minute. So you, so you finally just walked off the moving escalator. Yes. You. What you do in your equipment? You. It was put, a train. Wait a second. A train. Train. You're not paying train, attention. Train. So train. the equipment you wrapped up and you could use later if you wanted. Yes. And there, there were were there competitors in this business? There of were. Merit? Yeah. You said there were ones the the lousy ones that had the steel. They were really steel bikes with a, a bamboo veneer. Yeah, that's right. Were and there any real competitors? There were, yeah. Um, how are they doing? Out of the four that were there, three closed down before me, and then there's one still um, that makes bamboo bikes, and he was kind of the, the grandfather of oh. the, the movement. He's still around? Yeah, although that's not his primary focus. Uh, okay. So he mostly has transitioned to fixing carbon bikes that are broken. Oh, I see. So yeah, yeah, some yeah. similar technologies and processes. So why would somebody, mm-hmm. was it, a, what, were you sort of eight years off in this, which is, was this something that would have sold better around 2000 through 2008? And it turned out that by the time you ramped up, that part of the economy was gone. And so you now found yourself selling an item in 2000, post-2000, post-recession, that couldn't be sold post-recession. How was that, Mark? It was a meandering long question. <laughs> In that case, how was that, Dave? <laughs> I don't. I don't think the uh, the timing really had much to do with it. I think there's more wealth than we've had in America in a long time. There's more people with disposable income now than mm. ever. Oh. So, and this is a disposable income type of item. So, you know, not, this wouldn't be your daily bike. I I know it's your daily bike, or is, is a bike that you would. Yeah, use, it, would, it wouldn't be your, it's not a performance bike, but if you ride to work, this bike was pretty great. How heavy was it? Um, the lightest bike was 17 pounds. Oh, yeah. light. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad at the, all. The heaviest one typically is about 19 or 20. No. But, but lighter than steel, yeah. And mixed bike? It was 25? 20, uh, 22 tons. No, that's, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's you. No, it's, uh, <laughs> I, have, nice. I like a heavy metal bike. Okay. Because I do hop a lot of curbs. And, uh, and do you I do like wheelies? A, I like, a, you know, a big, a big frame. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't carry Poor my Mick. bike anywhere. It carries me, so I don't mind it being heavy. Okay. And I leave it out year-round. It's out in the racks all year-round right in front of my building. If that weight, what, what is a good performance bike that Mick might ride on the weekend when he puts the uh, spandex oh, on and the, oh. it looks like a sausage? Yeah, yeah. So scary, the, scary thought. The cycling governing body... Uh, likes to keep the the weight uh floor at about 15 and a half pounds so that's okay that's your high-end ten thousand dollar road bike essentially okay but could you have configured this as a great sort of fun lower cost um lightweight bike to ride with the guys that they're in the women at the uh, start of the coffee shop and yeah know, yeah 10 or and in fact miles? i did make a road bike as a prototype oh. and rode it um huh. Did you get that? He rode I, I, it. He I honestly, rode the road bike. I understand it. I honestly think the strategy would be once a year to build one and do it like the Wu Tan Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> the album. Yeah. The album yeah. for like fifteen <laughs> grand or a million yeah. or whatever it yeah. was. 
No, and this just is to perfect one, one of those the, a year. Just sell it to Martin. Martin. Well, he's Shrelly when he gets out. Shrelly 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 he's in jail. When he gets out of jail. <laughs> he's in but jail. I think that's the, that's the play. Just do one a year. Yeah. Make it really super yeah, exotic. Yeah, you can have like a holiday edition. Yeah, the like Neiman Marcus catalog specialty bike. The Hammaker yeah. Schlemmaker or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. Be that one out of business. Is that the one? No, like I said, I think the pricing would be the 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 driving force. Right. Particularly if you made them all yourself by hand and put your yeah, signature you on them, do a few on the weekend. Them. Yep. Why I, not? I just think there's there's every now and then you crank one out. Yeah, you could grow a mustache and you know look like a real artiste. Yeah. Uh, you that was know. part of the problem. I couldn't grow a mustache. <laughs> that would, now we know the source of the failure. <laughs> so wait a Lack of facial Aren't hair. you tempted to blame this on something or somebody other than yourself? That yeah. would be the normal thing to do here. Yeah, no. David no. combs his nasal hairs. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. What, what if you got all tatted up and grew like that long... Or pasted on a long beard. Oh, yeah, what do you call that? I just have a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry. So, so you you have nothing to blame for this? I thought all fa- Mark, can you blame the failure of your business on anything other than yourself? Yes. Okay. What? It was my IP lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> You knew I was going to do that. that it was, was such great. a setup. That was a softball. As I recall from strength, the podcast. Strength of the patents. Was, <laughs> as I recall, it was your investor. No, we hit the economic downturn. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> no, we really did. We had already raced four. We were doing another round. See, and, listen, yeah. Mark, um, that's Mark blaming somebody. Blaming, yeah. No, it's just a, the market went crazy. And, you know, my, my primary investors couldn't reinvest it at, at, at that point. Make is snickering. No, no, no. And then to start over, <laughs> you know, well, once no, people no, are a little bit laughing. pregnant, you know, they want to stay in. So, you know, we just we ran out of money and it was the wrong timing. So what can one take Bad home IP. from this? <laughs> Bad IP. What can one take home from the failure? corporate lawyer, though. <laughs> <laughs> what can one take home from a failure of a bamboo bicycle business? Hmm. Hmm. You must have thought this through. Well, did you do it for too long? Should have you walked away a year earlier? Well, the pricing we know is too low. Yeah, I mean, I definitely could have walked away and been more um, clinical about the health of the business, for sure. Um, was this kind of like... Did you look at this like people would look at their children, like, this is my baby? I think every, any owner or founder is going to do that to a certain extent. Um, I definitely was in that because this this was not something I was trying to scale up massively and, you know, become a, a ubiquitous product. And um, you literally built it with your own two hands. Yeah, yeah. And, it, you know, it, I discovered a lot about myself. I, Mark you know, <laughs> you have to be kind of introspective enough to... <laughs> Yeah, we're listening. To, yeah, are sure you Mark. are. Uh, you have to be introspective enough to kind of own your own shortcomings. So, yes. um, Mark's still working on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always someone else's fault. In my book, that's my wife. I blame. I blame everyone, especially the people. I think what, one thing that I think about is uh, earlier on in my career, I, there was kind of this macho like. Failure is not an option. You know, oh. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna do anything. To, you know, I'll <laughs> work voice. harder. I'll work longer hours. I'm gonna, be, you know, and I'm hyper competitive as well. But in retrospect, I think that's kind of, uh, it's a bit foolish and too much bravado. I think there's a lot to be learned from failure. If you embrace it, I mean, there's a lot of great takeaways. Um, one thing I didn't mention probably here, maybe I did on the last podcast, is um, Mark's memory is not good enough. To yeah, go back that far. Have to go back and read it. No. Listen to listen it. To it. Um, <laughs> but I got a call one day from a uh, head designer at Tommy Hilfiger. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So, you mentioned this. Okay, so maybe you I did I, mention yeah, this. Yes. Yeah, but I wasn't here, and I didn't hear it. I'd like That's to hear right, it. Right. So, yeah. should have been there. Right. Um, yeah, where were you? It, it was at your friend David. Yeah, so they friends. call up and they said, we love your bikes. We'd love two of them. That's right. Could you have them done in four weeks and deliver them to New York? Because we're starting this traveling pop-up shop that's going around the world. We'd like to include them in that. Pop-up shops. Those are big back then. Yeah. yeah. So, so I did. I whipped them together. That uh, was Mark. And drove them down. I delivered them. And when I got there, Tommy was having his picture that's taken. That's right. He, uh, he said, oh, my God, are those the bikes? I want my picture in front of them. And that was one of those entrepreneurial high moments. So, Did it uh, lead to more sales? It, we sold those four. <laughs> well, actually, they tried to squeeze me to get them for free. No. Yeah. Heifers. Oh. So, <laughs> I said no. Heifers? Heifers? I, I wasn't going to say the other heifers. word. Heifers. Heifers. Uh, I was so eager to get them in there, I almost gave them to them but i, oh. I was like no you mix says not, don't do this, this. Is not don't do fair. It. so so i did charge them full fare and um, Good. should double it they did travel around the world and oh, really? i you know i got more press from it but i got no sales that could, I could, you could, could, could you could have you converted that by marketing against that or oh i did yeah um, yeah and i got a great quote from them to use for my pr stuff Tommy Hilfiger uh, says. Um, i did have a conversation <laughs> with them about doing a private label bike um ah. But he's, they said, if, if, you're, if you can do this, we need a 1,000 of them. Yeah, that's right. And it had to be in the right. next three months. So, so I would have right. said yes and then figured out how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Just I had a friend who did that, and he wanted to be probably yeah. out of business. Was it a mobile printer company? <laughs> <laughs> was that you? No, it was actually a guy who did those very nice bespoke. Um, do you like I got that worked in? Um, those bespoke fancy Hallmark card stock. He uh, ramped up and sold to Hallmark, and they wanted a ton of the stuff, and he went right out of business because he had no he way to get there. It, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I that felt like a, it was very high risk. It was again that kind of the rocket that takes off and then teeters and splashes in the water. I, you know, I was in it for the long haul, and really that's what my mindset was. So maybe there's something to be taken away from. I don't know. Yeah, taking, what, what, what right, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly. Right. So what, this is that's Mark. Mark, and this is Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, what are the takeaways? So yeah. let, let me set the let me set the table. Oh no, he, you're panelizing. I'm going to do it anyway. You're panelizing. So it was sort of an arts-driven business or a craftsman-driven business. Um, and again, I, the the folks that attended our, our thing at Berkeley in the David Friend Hall in the David um, Friend Hall makes friend. They were you know artists and musicians and all that, and that was one of our the contexts of that was to kind of you know freaks and geeks or you know <laughs> sorry. So the, the so the question is if you're building a craftsman-like device or object or thing, what what should somebody do? There we go. Here, here we is. can say that was yeah. a good question. Yeah. Thank you. That was <laughs> that Mark. was Dave. Uh, I'd say the same thing that almost every We're the only two laughing every every, every classic kind of uh, business advisor would say, which is focus on sales. Really, uh, sales first, sales first. But if you had focused time. on sales, then you would have sold Hillfigure a thousand, and you would have gone out of business right after that. Yeah, I mean, I, there were other sales that needed to happen before that. So I would, I might still say no to the a giant Hillfigure deal, um, but I think my tendency was to try to make the product perfect. Uh, and then once I'm ready, uh, go out and sell it and sell it really well. And I think I ran out of runway um, working on the product a little too much and not, not worrying and worrying more about sales. I did sell, but it was mostly sales that came in because I had good search engine optimization and website structure and um, 
you know, I had great PR pieces that were out there. So, and I responded. You could actually lock in bamboo bikes on Google. Oh yeah, I owned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was. I yeah. bet. And that, so, and that generated a lot of traffic and a lot of interest in emails. And, so yeah. we can come back to it was failure to convert marketing into sales, sustainable sales, especially in the off season. That was yeah. a great summary, Dave. <laughs> wasn't Dave. Dave doesn't know how to give great summaries <laughs> or write good patents. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so are we ready to ask him about what he leveraged into after he jumped yeah. off? Yes, what are you now? What am oh, I now? really? I so I'm a creative director at a, at a technology company here in the city. Cool. What does that mean? Uh, so he does not build bamboo bikes. Yeah, there's a lot of less sanding now. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of technology? <laughs> you, you don't have to identify the actual How about the company. hemp? Yeah, well, they yeah, can no, look them up. It's, it's Rapid7. Uh, so cybersecurity. Oh, really? Yeah. What does that have to do with bamboo bicycles? Uh, it's almost the same thing. <laughs> no, so, has no, so you do network security. Yeah, yeah, what does that have to do with but bamboo what, yeah. what is a creative director? So yeah. you're running the websites and the oh. SEO and all that stuff? Is that right? Branding. Yeah, content. Branding. Oh, really? Yeah, positioning. So Did a, your prior business help you with that? Yeah, even before the, the Bamboo okay. Bikes. So the Bamboo Bikes was about six years of my career. So before that, I was in marketing. But I think it really helped me understand the storytelling and the narrative. And that's really oh. what you're doing in marketing is storytelling and trying to, to find customers that can identify with that story. So You should uh, get Tommy Hilfiger back for that. Yeah, he wants some cybersecurity now. <laughs> so wait a minute. So I, I want to go wait, back wait. to the take-home. I, I actually liked your question a little, oh, not very much. Thank you. I liked your question, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Such an ass. So I'm sorry. So what? <laughs> what does one learn from a failed business like this? And I think Mark went too far when he said it was a custom bespoke, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. It was just a failed business. Thing and, and once yeah, a year, what was it? Yeah. Million bucks. You must have gone home and said, "Damn, I wish I had done X." And I don't believe it was. I don't actually believe it was the focusing on perfection because I would argue, knowing absolutely nothing about your business or anything, that you just had time to sort of uh, cogitate. But there was something else you were missing, something else you should have gone home and said, darn, I should have done this. This is important. Yeah, really. really like most my, businesses go to business. Yeah. It, Take it, Marks, it, for it's, example. It's getting out there selling and, and pushing your wares really hard and getting out of the lab. I know that's not as satisfying. Yeah. Mick, can you save well, the day I, I, here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking... Did you love going to work every day and say, geez, I really want to make another bicycle today? Yeah. Or did you get to the point where you said, hey, I, geez, I'm tired of the smell of the, of the, the, uh, resins. Of the resins. Well, I was high on the resins. <laughs> <laughs> That's mixed problem. <laughs> no, He's actually I, drinking I, a cup I wor- of resin I worked now. a lot of, a lot of hours. It's the same thing I, every I day, though. I mean, I mean, making but it bike. wasn't, though. He, he liked he would, it. He had like I mixed cycle. it up enough, yeah, because I, w- I would go out and do meet and greets. I did demo rides. I was responding to emails. I was fine-tuning things on the web, web advertising, um, and then I'm making. Yeah, so answer the question, yeah, I got a little tired of sanding when I had a big chunk of bikes due, and I knew I but was. But every you use electric like sander? Yeah, a little bit of mix of both, yeah. <laughs> so wait a minute. So did you, okay, Lance Armstrong was on the line ready to sign up for a bicycle, oh. and what happened? Oh, we know what happened to Lance. <laughs> so, Mick, what was your point? Your point, well, you were trying I to... I don't make points. I'm not like you guys in a competitive point-making deal. All I'm doing <laughs> that is... That was Mark. I have a curi- <laughs> I have a Mark. inherent curiosity about things. Yeah. And I like what he was doing. It's interesting to me. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that 
I think there probably is an answer somewhere. Well, do you know it? Do to, you know what it is? Well, I mean, I think the pricing was a big deal. I mean, I what think would you have done with more it? More exclusive. Oh. Well, no, I'm just saying that you, you, know, you, you, can, you can have the race to the bottom of the market or you can be the top. And uh, so to be the most expensive bike in the world would be, wow. Is that? Well, that's yeah. the story of the lamp. I thought that was yeah. an interesting yeah. thing that you learned. Well, yeah, that you, but what, he didn't, what, what uh, Randall didn't tell you is that guy shut his business down before Randall did. Did he? No. <laughs> he's probably going like gangbusters. He's yeah. Really? Yeah. I think their he's lamps so, are twelve grand now. <laughs> I mean, because you look, you look at the price of you know some of this. You know, I, I, there was an article in Boston Magazine this month talking about very high-end furniture from Italy, and then they show the picture of it. It's you know four pieces of wood and a couple of drawers and. Like, how is that, you know, $18,000 or whatever it is? This sounds you know? like a dangerous discussion. You're, you're to our one or two, oh, two listeners Okay, now. so I'm sticking with my point is, yeah, is that if you have the highest priced thing on the market, and there's something distinctive about it, people, I will, th- buy it. people will buy it. I yeah. agree. Well, and, uh, the question is, will I was, enough I was people with you. buy it? And I, I'm actually, the more I think about the Wu-Tang Clan, which, again, you can look up the reference for Wu-Tang those that are clan. Wu-Tang Clan. Create one album, sell for a million dollars. How did he do? Well, it was, they. it's a rap group. They, they've done very well, not because of that one album. But they got a ton of PR from it. Yeah, the free PR is what was key on right, that. Right, because it was such they're a weird around? thing. I think they are, but yeah. they're really? kind of long in the tooth for, <clears throat> for rap Oh, groups, that's right. That is the, uh, the, the guy who's in jail, guy, yeah. the Shrelly. So he yeah. bought it and yeah, listened see, to it. Blah, how'd that blah, blah. work for but him? There's something to be said for, you know, again, creating the one, you know, once you're, as opposed to the other story I read about, the artist Peter Max's uh, family oh, yesterday kind of yeah was yeah. Uh, propping him up to sign his name to mass-produced works. Apparently yeah. worked well for them. Well, it yeah, I, I guess it's not working so well now because the secret's out. <laughs> yeah. I think we, I think what you hit upon was one of my fears, which was I didn't want it to be a race in the bottom, and that's why I did not go into the performance bike category ah, because there there is real a race mass production there. and a race right. to cheaper and cheaper really? and fast and lighter and, and it's so competitive and so saturated i just want it to be something different different yeah and again i i again share my observation that it was a gorgeous just piece of it was piece of work it really was i mean Thanks. i remember there. this is a, a very pressing question when uh, are we going to race after the, I, my, my bike's downstairs? Are we going to race afterwards or not? <laughs> right down Seaport Boulevard? Yeah. yeah. Are your training wheels off yet? Let, let's do this. I, I do have, let's do this. I do have a pressing question. When we, when we contacted you um, before this podcast, you said you had liked the other one and you liked talking about failure. Now that you've actually seen this podcast, do you, regret, yeah, do you regret having said that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> then we have failed. We have succeeded in failing. <laughs> or we failed it. No, I always get lost. Mick, that. you want to bring us to a close? Well, I'm still curious about um, when somebody says I am, uh, you know, I work for a security company and I'm head of uh, marketing, uh, creative, creative director. All right. What does that encompass exactly? Oh, because these titles going. are these titles are very dis. Uh, I don't think they really tell you what you do. So, advertising is different yeah. than marketing. Yeah. So you would I have don't a, understand the difference. But so at an ad agency, you'd have a creative director of an ad agency, um, and that's essentially my role, but in an internal capacity. So it's like in-house counsel. Yeah. This is like the unfinished symphony okay. that it seems yeah. to end and then it ends yeah, so, again. I'm responsible for helping to set and maintain the image of the company, tell the story, find the narrative, write the content, um, shoot the videos. My favorite line is, tell me a story. Yeah. And that's what people want, or a nation of people. 
people that love stories. And well, I don't think a good just, story. I don't think it's a U.S. thing. Us. I think everybody likes storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, at, um, at Motorola, they had for a, uh, he's unfortunately passed away, but they had a chief storyteller. It was a, a gentleman who had, got his PhD from the Media Lab in oh, yeah. storytelling. I remember this? And you know, it, it was the same thing. There's a narrative around, you know, using a mobile device. You know, you're. And they try to incorporate that into. Are you trying to drag this thing out longer? I mean, yeah, that was in the heady '80s. That was the '80s when they could hire that guy. Okay, well, I'm going to bring this to a close. Ready? Here's the button. Bye Bye bye.